praise for a Monday night to open your word and just bask in your presence. Lord, do whatever you want to do. Holy Spirit, you have free reign in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen. Have a seat. Thank you. Hallelujah. There's no empty seats here because I believe the so-called empty seats is the, where the angels are sitting. So we have a full house. Uh, so if uh, I disappear, then God will probably give the angels instructions to start a minister here. Because how many of you still believe in the ministry of angels? Well, it's about time that we see it. Okay, before we're going to go into the Word, um, remember to get this book. I don't know how many is left. There's probably four or five left. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about the book, but in, in, in chapter 1, I, I mentioned it previously. In fact, let me say this. In this book, there is a chapter on an ugly woman and a beautiful woman. You need to get that chapter. It's Rachel. Rachel, the Bible says, Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance, and Jacob fell in love with, ja with Rachel. That was his dream. But there was another woman in the house, her name was Leah. That was the sister of Rachel. And the Bible doesn't say anything about her beauty. So when the Bible is quiet, the Bible says a lot. Jacob never wanted to marry her. It's part of the book. It's how it's, it's, it's finally God makes sense because Rachel re represents the dreams of your life. Leah represents all the things in your life that go wrong. And, uh, I mean, Jacob worked seven years for Laban to get Rachel, and, and it was an evening wedding, and um, the bride was veiled, and the next morning when he woke up, he woke up with Leah. Because Laban gave Leah away. It's amazing when you, when, you, when you work for seven years for your dream and you, and you woke up to something you never wanted. Come on. Uh, you can marry your dream in life. I'm talking about your dream, not, your, not a specific a wife, a lady. I'm talking about your dream. And, but you will always have reality. How many of you know America is a great country, but America just met Mr. Reality the last 18 months when, they, when the COVID came? America is not excluded from COVID. But you know what? When God saw that Jacob is head over heels in love with Rachel, he closed her womb. Because the Lord saw that Jacob was not in love with reality. Come on, I don't want to preach the whole thing. Six of the 12 tribes came out of Leah. Judah, which means praise, came out of Leah. The greatest king in the Old Testament came out of the lineage of Leah. Jesus came out of the lineage of Leah. Be careful. Sometimes it's the areas of your life that doesn't make sense that carry the, that's the breeding ground for greatness. It will really bless you. Um, this is a powerful book. Um, one of the chapters is, I spoke to you about when dirt makes sense. That was actually something I've preached years ago, when dirt makes sense. It's a powerful word. Um, when I preached that CD, I told the people, you better keep this disc and give it to thousands of people because somewhere in your life you will need it. Now, this is all in written format.
Uh, I'm trying to make some money here. I need, I've, I need to sell five books. That would be worth $75. Thank you, Jesus. Church, to be honest, I don't sell books. You, you can be very lucky I brought these books. I don't travel with products anymore. Our budget is too big. <laughs> I just trust that the Lord will provide. But I brought it for you so you can have it. Thank you. No, you cannot have it. You must buy it. Now, before we're going to go into the Word, I want to ask you a favor tonight. I only do this in churches where I, very, I feel very comfortable. And, uh, and what we're going to do tonight, we're going to ask you to join us in a partner program for two months. Not for two years, two months. Um, I have several permanent partners, but this is specifically for two months. And the month is December, January. When I go into Africa, I cannot come back within a week. It's too expensive. We have many churches there. We've planted many churches. We've delivered steel structures. Um, and I haven't been there for 18 months because of COVID. They are now getting their, their vaccines in place. I blocked out nine weeks for Africa, December, January. I'll come back first week in February. And I want to ask American people to come and help us. Uh, the greatest missions nation in the world is America. There's not a nation that is more mission-minded than America. America has a twofold mandate, and that is missions and Israel, to support Israel. That is, I believe, the calling of this nation, to stand with Israel and missions. Eighty percent of missions finances in the past that came in came from this nation. So I want to ask you to fill in this little card and to help us for December and January. It works like this. You fill this in, you'll get a welcome letter in the next week. Welcome, you are a two-month partner from me personally. And then you will not hear from us again. Then in December and January, you will get a personal letter from me. But you will also get a four-page brochure that goes to my permanent partners. I will send it to you. And uh, the, the letter will explain everything you need to do. There will be an envelope in that you use to send your contribution back. You will get your tax credit when you need it. Um, your checks will go to GNNI, Good News Nations International. Uh, and the end of January, you will not hear from us again. You will get two letters, two brochures, um, and then the end of January is done. Um, if you can raise your hand, fill in an amount. If the amounts that we have printed there is too small, I hope it is, just fill in the bigger amount. Uh, if you want to give $1,000 or more per month, I will personally come down and kiss you. And uh, <laughs> No, I will not do that. But um, So just fill in the amount that you want to give per month. That will help us to understand by November, okay, we've got so much coming in. That will help us. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. December, January, I need a young man here to come and help me. Uh, can you help me, sir, if you don't mind? And uh, you raise your hand if you want to fill in one of these cards. There's a piece right at the end of the card that you can tear off and just keep for yourself. Um, your name, address, email address. If you want to put your email address, you're welcome. If you don't want to, you don't need to. Um, and uh, put the amount per month. Um, 
Now, what we normally ask people is, I had somebody that last week, they fill in $5. They want to give $5. I want to be honest with you, by the time I send you my first letter and the second brochure, the $5 is used because just of postage. So uh, just be reasonable if you can. Thank you, sir. Um, Please write in English, not Greek or Hebrew. Uh, Otherwise, you will never receive the mail. Uh, And again, church, sir, this this gentleman here, he needs a card. Okay. Um, Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Just fill it in right now. We will pick it up immediately. Um, I've done it different in the past where people will give back the cards in the end of service and it never works out. And uh, so thank you for doing this and thank you for helping us. If it happens that COVID is still rampant in South Africa, my December, January, we will still proceed with the two-month partners because it's too difficult to send a letter and say, well, we now change it to another month. But December and January then could become April, May or something like that. I must get to Africa. I just got a text there while I was sitting there from Zambia. They want me to come, and they want to talk to me. I said, I cannot talk to you now. I'm in a service. So um, thank you for helping us. Um, I think I'm 80% sure we will be able to go to South Africa December, January. Uh, everything looks good now with the vaccines, and um, it's picking up. Um, and uh, so we will fly probably the first week in December. The moment you are finished with your little card, would you just raise your hand? And this young man is now busy filling it in. Then I'll have to get one of these girls. Can you help me? Uh, because this man is busy, this young man that just helped me. Anybody else that can help me? You done? Okay. Thank you, sir. You are quick. Tear off that one piece at the end. Remember to tear off that one piece of the card. Right at the end, it's, you can just tear it off. That's just for you to keep. Thank you so much. Uh, Church, I appreciate you. I do not do this easily. I will never do this to a church that I go to the first time because I want the people to know my heart before I will do something like this. But we cannot, we cannot do this without people's help. And we so appreciate you. And uh, thank you. If you're done, you just raise your hand and we will pick up the card. And uh, we appreciate you. Uh, Ma'am, are you finished there? Thank you, ma'am. There's two cards there, young man. Thank you. Okay, these people on my left, your right, are you all done? Is there, oh, you you gave in your cards? Okay. Is there any cards left here that you want? Okay, so you're done. Thank you. And anybody, you guys are done, done. Everybody here, done, done, done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The sound people, did you give something? Did, Did you fill in a card? And you are sound people, and you, and you don't. Okay. I'll talk to you after the service. <laughs> Your pastor's anointing came on me. That's what happened. I'm normally not like this. No, that's, that's also not good. Okay. How many of you believe that this service, without the touch of the Lord, is incomplete? It's not about the service. It's not about the speaker. 
It's not about singing songs. Thank God for the songs. Thank, thank God for the praise and worship team. But unless there's a touch in this meeting, there's no purpose. And the touch, I'm referring to the touch of Jesus. I want to talk to you tonight about something very simple. And it's all in Mark chapter 5. And um, I want to be honest with you. I spoke about this in, in the Potter's House, uh, which is the Church of God Church in, in Columbus, Ohio, Pastor Tim Oldfield. And an African-American man came to me after the service, and he begged me almost, and he said, please, you must bring this to all churches. I said, well, the Lord already spoke to me and said, you will bring it to more than one church, but not all. But I want to talk to you tonight about the woman who had the issue of blood. Now, the moment you hear the, the words, the woman who had the issue of blood, and, and, and I had another word that, I, that is so powerful that I uh, almost went to that one, but I feel like the Lord said, go back to the touch. Um, the woman who had the issue of blood is a story that you and I have heard so many times. But there's something in the story that I want to correct. Because sometimes we preach God's word and then we discover later on, my goodness, there's much more in that word and we never saw it. So what happened here in, in, in this chapter is, it says there in verse 25, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and she suffered from many physicians she had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but she rather grew worse. We've heard that before. But then, in verse 34, Jesus spoke to this woman, and Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So, in verse 25, we find a woman who had the issue of blood. And normally when we preach about this, we focus on the physical healing that's going to happen because she's going to be healed. And when we, when we start with verse 25, we normally end in verse 29, immediately the blood was dried up. And, and I said, Lord, but that's powerful. And the Lord says, yes, but that was an incomplete miracle. I said, why? Here is the why. In verse 25, the Bible says, a certain woman... A statistic, a number, no name, no last name, no identity, just a woman. And then in verse 34, the woman is now called daughter. And the Lord said to me, unless you land on the word daughter, you're at the wrong airport. When I came to this city, I checked my ticket. I'm flying to Charleston, West Virginia, an airport on top of a hill. We'll never forget the first time I flew into this place. I thought I'm going to go to heaven because I thought, Lord, there's no landing strip here. And, uh, and then uh, we finally landed. This night, I must land on the word daughter. I cannot land on the physical healing because then I land at the wrong place. But here we have a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. 
Now, when you have an issue of blood for 12 years and you are isolated from community, from, from the community, you have more problems than just a blood problem. The last 15 months, I spoke with people in this nation and I picked up that there is people that is having a mental problem. There's, a, there's people, it, it affected all of us. We couldn't go out because the moment you go out, you need to duck and dive because there's a virus. And then lately they say that if you go to a restaurant, you need to have a mask. And the moment you sit down, there's no virus. So then I found out on this level, there's no virus. But on the higher level, there's a virus. And people got so confused and still are. It had a huge effect on the whole globe. I've lost family members in South Africa. I've lost my brother-in-law. My other brother-in-law landed up in a wheelchair. One of my best friends died. This woman had a problem for 12 years. Can you imagine in what condition she must have been? So, you know, many times we read over the Scripture, the woman had the blood of, uh, issue of blood for 12 years, but now we need to rethink. She was tormented. She must have had an emotional problem. She must have been drowned emotionally. She was, the law was against her. She cannot go into the city. She cannot see people. And the Bible also says that, um, well, the Bible doesn't say it, but my, my assumption is that maybe her husband divorced her. The Bible clearly says uh, that she ran out of money. Now, let me say this. She must have thought God is angry at her. When you study the Jewish faith of those days, they could have believed that God is angry at her. I mean, I find people today even that believe that God is angry at them when something goes wrong and it doesn't, and it doesn't end. They think, oh, God, I must have sinned. She could have thought that she must have sinned. Church, I know, I've seen the Orthodox Jews, or I've also have friends in the Messianic Jews, but they are different. They have joy. The Orthodox Jews, even today, they don't have joy. So can you imagine those days when they made a law, you cannot be in a crowd. It must have affected her. So she must have thought God is angry at her. So what happened with her, she developed a pulpit in her mind. Oh, God is angry with me, and I will die. But then the Bible says that um, um, she suffered many things from many physicians, and she had no more money, and she grew worse. Now, the gospel of Mark is the only gospel that clearly says that they treated her knowing they cannot heal her. Isn't it sad when you are exposed to a system that should heal you, but they just treat you for the money knowing they cannot heal you? I know, I know how that feels. My precious wife was identified with cancer two and a half years ago, and we had to go through about nine surgeries. Everybody that sees her want to do a surgery, and every time it's $22,000, $23,000 per surgery, and then we try to figure out what's going on here. Oh, we came to the conclusion they're they not looking out for us. They saw 
that we have a certain card, and that works well because you just swipe that card or you just give us that number and we will fix your problem without fixing your problem. Come on, church. We are, we, we are exposed to systems that milk us for something, but they never, they never deliver. We can talk about politics, and I'm not going to talk about politics, but they want me to vote, and then they don't, never deliver what I vote for. The whole world is full of that. We are all exposed to things like that. Here is a precious woman. She is bankrupt now. She has no options anymore. And uh, when you look at Leviticus 15 verse 19 and you see how the Bible talk about somebody that had some, some kind of virus or issue like that, same thing. Leviticus, you can go read Leviticus for yourself. They, uh, if somebody sits on that piece of cloth, you need to wash it. It, it reminds me of COVID-19. So here we have a woman in, in huge trouble, 12 years or 10 years, 12 years, suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had. But then verse 27 says, when she heard about Jesus, she heard. She heard. Come on. There's a lot of noises in America, religious noises, but I don't hear what I want to hear. Come on. There's thousands of churches preaching Jesus, but there's something we don't hear. You see, church, she heard about Jesus. And when I saw that, I said, Lord, I hope that I can preach your word. That when somebody listened to me, they will say, I heard something I have not heard in a long time. Because my dream is, my hope is, that I do not sound like others. I'm not better than anybody else. May God help me. I'm not better. But, oh, Lord, help me that I will not sink into the same old, same old, making a noise, preach another sermon, and nothing helps. She heard about Jesus. Wow. May God restore the noise in America. May God restore the true gospel in America, that when it is preached, it will stir certain people to the point that they will come out of their desperate corners and run for healing. Now, she heard about Jesus, and suddenly the Bible says she came from behind him in the crowd. Now, now she's in the crowd. Jesus was on his way from, on his way down the road. He would have passed her home. Her home was just outside the city. Jesus was coming down that road, and he was on his way to the house of Jairus. So Jairus already got a hold of Jesus, 
And he told Jesus about his little girl. And so here comes Jesus down the road. He's got Jairus on the agenda. The only reason Jairus was on the agenda, he had some influence. But on the side of the road, there's a woman that has no influence. She has the law against her. But she heard. She cannot afford to trust one person to take her into the crowd because you cannot trust anybody if the law is against you. Come on. So the Bible says she came from behind in the crowd. The word behind tells me that when she went into the crowd, she had the body language of a thief. When you are tormented for 12 years and the law is against you and you have no more money and you know what the religious Jews can do to you, you must be pretty desperate. And it's no wonder she came from behind. She cannot afford to go into the crowd the normal way. She had the body language of a thief. I can just imagine how she actually bent forward because she doesn't want her face to be known. And she needed to find Jesus in the crowd. And Jesus had a sitting garment and some blue tassels at the bottom. And her only hope was to find the man with the blue tassels. In the crowd, there must have been people that represent the law. Maybe there was an attorney. Maybe there was a judge. The religious people were there. Oh, yeah, the 12 know-it-all disciples, they were there. Peter were there, who's good when it comes to cutting ears. She probably thought, I better duck and dive. There's Peter. Let me rather go this way. Oh, there's the attorney. Oh, my goodness. There's the judge. I'm in trouble. There's the medical doctor who did the surgery. They are all here. But if I can only get to the man with the blue tassels. Now, the beautiful thing about this chapter is this. Jesus never touched her. She touched Jesus. You see, church, we put the emphasis on the man of God, and when the man of God lays his hand upon me, and when the man of God prophesied to me, and when the man of God is in town, it's about time that we realize there's enough Jesus in between the pews that you can get your healing just by hearing the Word. In Africa and the big crusades, you cannot lay your hands on 100,000 people. But by the time you've preached the word, miraculous miracles is happening in the crowd. Why? Because the tassels is in the crowd. The blue tassels is moving amongst us. She touched Jesus. Come on. And I hope that you will get the message
Don't wait for me to get to you after the service. I may not even pray for one soul. But God said to me, preach my gospel that by the time you are done, they will be healed and delivered when they hear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She came from behind in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, my goodness, so she said something. For she said, what did she say? Who did she talk to? She cannot talk to the attorney. She cannot talk to the Jewish religious guys. Cannot talk to the doctor. Cannot afford to make eye contact with Peter. You remember last night? He was an irritable man. Come on. So what did she do? She did what I call self-talk. Church, there come a time in your life that you cannot talk to anybody. Come on. I have things at the moment, to be honest with you, I cannot even talk to Brian about it. Because there comes a time in your life that you say, Lord, this thing, who can I talk to? No, that's when you say to yourself, she said, if only I may touch his clothes. If only. She, that, 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 that was on her agenda. If, if only I, if only I can get, if, if I can only touch his clothes. When you go to the book of Samuel, I think it's Samuel, you will find David. Or, yeah, it's not Samuel. David, David, when David, uh, 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 the, the Philistines came and they took the wives of David and the, and the wives of all the men of David. He had 600 men. They took all the wives and the children captive and they burned their homes down. And the Bible says, and the men of David wept until they had no more power to weep. When men weep and they have no more power to weep, you, you better know men, they are out on their feet. And then the Bible says, and the men picked up stones to stone David. And the Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord. David kazaked himself. The word Greek word is kazak. It's the same thing that God said to Joshua. When he said to Joshua, be strong. Joshua strengthened himself in the Lord. Kazak made himself strong. I think David said, Lord, what must I do? My best friend is turning against me. I think David was filled with the Holy Ghost, and I think he was Church of God. And David, ran, and David said, Lord, shall I pursue? You see, when you do self-talk, you get a strength in you that your best brother and sister cannot give you. Self-talk. And the Lord said, pursue, for you shall recover all. She said, if only I, if only I, if only all oh, self-talk prayer. That's what you do in the middle of the night when all hell is breaking loose. And it's only you and the Holy Spirit. And um, she said, if only I can touch his clothes. And the Bible says in verse 29, immediately, the moment she touched his clothes, Twelve years of hell on earth 
immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and, in, and she felt in her body. And she felt in her body. Everybody say, it's in the body. You know, we live in a day where, oh, I felt the anointing. Oh, I felt in the spirit. Man, it's about time that we feel it in our body. The physical healing of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Don't come and tell me you feel it in the spirit. I want to feel it right where I need it in my physical body. She felt it in her body. She doesn't need a spiritual song. She doesn't need a song on her earphones and put her on a high. She said, I have a blood flow in my body. I lost my money and I am about to lose my life. Everybody's against me. The systems emptied me from all my money. I need a miracle. She felt it in her body immediately. Aren't you glad that Jesus does not give healing on credit card payments? He does not operate like the world system. Come on, church. You know, when I was in this church tonight, I said, Lord, what is this? I saw big rocks in this church. It's like a riverbed, but it has these incredible big rocks in the riverbed. And I said, okay, Lord, what is that? The Lord said to me, there's strong leaders in this church. There's strong people here. You are, you are cemented into this place. You are here. And the Lord said to me, I will bring a flood of water. And the, because of the rocks in in, in the riverbed, it will not dig up all the mud, but it will keep the water clear. So all I want to say to you is, uh, get ready for a flood of water that will be crystal clear, that will flow through this place, and let healings come, because God wants to do physical healings. And Jesus, now watch this, verse 30. The Bible says she felt it immediately. Now watch this. And Jesus immediately. Come on. How many of you know that when you greet somebody, it's not really the greeting. It's about touching. The greet is not completed unless I can touch. And the moment I shake your hand, guess what? I know and you know at the very same moment that both of us just greeted. That's why the hug, you know, and you hit somebody, one, two, three, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, just teasing. Same thing. So, so what happened here, immediately Jesus knowing in himself that power had gone out. You see, Jesus were in a crowd, but it's not everybody in the crowd that withdrew power. We have many, many church meetings, but doesn't mean that every church meeting is a release of power. Come on, church. I'm not here to preach. I'm here to just decree. Jesus felt power went out. If you have a billion dollars in the bank and you go into the bank and you don't withdraw money, what are you doing in the bank? If we have a meeting in the name of the Lord Jesus and we don't make a withdrawal, why did we come? Come on. Why on the earth did you waste your gas 
in your car to come here, but you don't want to make a withdrawal. So power went out, and, but something significant is about to happen. And immediately Jesus felt that power had gone out, and Jesus said something profound. He says, who touched my clothes? You say, oh, well, that's not a very intelligent question. No, it is. Because at that time, many already touched him. But nobody made a withdrawal. You see, unless you are desperate, you don't make a withdrawal. If you have an overflow of money, you're comfortable, you can have a billion in the bank, you're not going to make a withdrawal. But when you're desperate, so Jesus said, who touched my clothes? Now, verse 31, here comes the disciples. I call them the know-it-all disciples. They, each one of them were professors in theology. They knew everything. And now they're going to try and correct Jesus. There's a big crowd. They're walking down the road to the house of Jairus. Jesus just made a statement, somebody touched me. The disciples said, you see the multitude throng you and you say, who touched me? Uh, I mean, Jesus, whoa, whoa. Uh, did you have your coffee this morning? Because Jesus, you say that somebody touched you in the meantime, everybody's thronging you. You see, church, that's the problem. We in America are not desperate. We just come to throng. We buy the book. And if I have a sweatband that I can sell you, you'll buy my sweatband. And I don't have that kind of stuff. I'm not that weird. We do the charismatic hop, or we do the One Life Church hop. Come on. We do the high five, and we go out and we say, Woo, what a sermon. Hallelujah. Oh, man, that guy, he has revelation knowledge. In the meantime, you're still sick. You see, the crowd thronged Jesus. The crowd did what the crowd do well. They are more into the excitement of the moment. Come on. But there was one woman in the crowd that says, I'm not here to throng. I don't know whether I have another day left to throng. And Jesus felt the difference. When will God find a church again that is different than all others and say, if I don't make a withdrawal, then we can honestly not do the crowd thing any longer. Church, I'm 41 years in ministry. I travel every week of my life. I preach three, four, seven months. I'm so tired of preaching. I don't want to do the thronging thing anymore. That's why you will notice that I'm not here to impress you with how good I can preach. I care less what you think of my preaching. Really? 
I've been like that my whole life. I care less. I'm not traditional. And I'm not playing the game according to the crowd. I am a man of God. And I will speak the, the, what God says, tells me to speak. We need a touch. And uh, so he looked around to see who had done this thing. Remember, now the whole crowd comes to a standstill. Because Jesus felt power gone out, and Jesus decided, because of one person, I need to find out who is the exception. It's almost like Jesus said that. I want to know who is that one person that did not do the normal thing. Come on. Jesus will not stop for anybody that throng because he knows that's useless. No purpose in that. But he wants us to find out who's the one who took the power. Who's the one who took the power? If I can talk to the Lord and say, Lord, out of all the churches in America, yesterday was Sunday, Lord. Many of them, most of them never had a Sunday service. But Lord, yesterday morning, out of the thousands of meetings in America, can you give us the statistic of how many power withdrawals were there? And then probably the Holy Spirit will say, not many. Maybe it will sound like this. There were... Let's say there were 500,000 church meetings. I know one denomination has over 40,000 pastors. So let's say there was 500 church meetings yesterday morning. There were a million uh, sermons preached. There's much more because some churches have more than one service. There were 980,000 people in those meetings that were terminally sick. Nine were healed. Then I want to say, Lord, oh, Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. We cannot wait any longer. We need desperateness to come to church. We don't need church people to come. Please don't bring church people to church. Bring desperateness. I don't care what desperateness looks like. Church people are well-dressed, but desperateness, desperateness come like a thief. Desperateness will crawl into the church. Desperateness will play hide-and-seek. Desperateness will smell bad, but desperateness well, get a hold of the blue tassels. Come on. Are you with me? So Jesus looked around to see who had done this thing. Verse 33. Now, in verse 33, <laughs> the Bible still calls her woman. Remember, remember. She's now in the crowd. She couldn't leave the crowd because she came like a thief. She'll have to leave like a thief. 
Because remember, church, she's healed in her body, but her mind is still polluted. Oh, God is angry at me. Oh, I'm not supposed to be healed. Oh, I must have done something wrong. Oh, I've met many Christians like that. They are saved, but they constantly battle voices in their mind. I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a this. My mother had done this to me. My father had done this to me. This woman had 12 years of a pulpit in her mind. I'm a sinner. I'm a this, I'm a that. And remember, there's another thing that now accuses her because now she can say, oh, my goodness, I just broke the law. I'm not supposed to be in the crowd. If they find out that I'm in the crowd, maybe the religious leaders will take back my healing. Although she realized they never gave it to me. You see, church, before the law could find her guilty, grace healed her. Be careful. Grace is quick. Grace is a person. Grace is Jesus. But now, Jesus looked around, looked around. That tells me that Jesus is now, somebody touch me. Somebody touch me. All of a sudden, the crowd comes to a standstill. She's in the crowd, and she realizes, oh, my goodness. I thought I'm the only one that knew that he touched me, but it seems to me he knows that I touched him. Oh, my goodness. Maybe she even thought, but there's so many people. How can he know that I got it? She didn't know that she was the only one that got it. That's why Jesus is saying, I need to find out who is desperateness. What does desperateness look like? Now watch what happened here. And this is so beautiful. But the woman, so she's still just a woman. Remember in verse 25, she was a woman, a statistic, just another woman. But the woman. Now watch this. It says in verse 25, uh, verse, verse uh, 33, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened. She had a fountain of blood. So her, the blood flow in her body was so bad that she immediately felt that God cured it to the very or, or origin the or, where it started, the fountain. She, felt, she just knew, my body's different. I've just been healed. Now the Bible says, Jesus is now trying to find out who she is. And then the Bible says she was fearing and trembling. So here is a woman. She's healed. But she's still in fear and she still trembles. And that's when the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said, How can you preach the physical healing, but you never send her back as a daughter? She's fearing and trembling because the pulpit in her mind is still active. Just as long as there's a pulpit in your mind, you are not free. I know Pentecostal people that are not free. They know how to do the thronging thing in Pentecost, but they are not free. The moment I start to talk to them, I can hear there's a pulpit in her mind. Come on. Tonight, God's going to set you free from those voices that 
constantly make you feel guilty. Watch what happened. And knowing what had happened, she came, she came, and she fell down before him and told him, fell down before him. It's him. Now she's in front of the one that you heard about. She still fears and she still trembles. Why? Because she knows everything that's against her. She act like a thief. She still has the body language of a thief. She's still fearing and trembling. And the Bible says she fell down. She did not bow down. She did not kneel down. She fell. This, it was an intense moment. I can just imagine the crowd. Oh, that's the woman. Oh, that's the one. We have done surgeries on her. Oh, we made a lot of money out of her. She broke the law. <laughs> but they're all quiet. Because Jesus is in control. And the Bible says she told him the whole truth. You cannot stand before truth and not speak truth. She told him the whole truth. And then something happened. Then a miracle happened. What is the miracle? She understood culture. She understood, she, she knew how culture worked. She knew the culture of that day. And here she stands in front of a man that she heard about, but she heard more than just Jesus. She heard he's a king. Then she heard that he's even the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. She heard that. So now she knows I'm in front of a king. I heard about him. I never thought I would stand before him. I thought I could just steal my healing. <laughs> God is so generous that you can never steal anything from him. You need to put that on Facebook. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, before I say something about the words go in peace, I want to say something else. In those days, this comes out of the Greek. In those days, when a king wants to address a woman, a woman, a statistic, an unknown. But when a king wants to address a woman with sensitivity, care, and passion. Those three words. Sensitivity, care, and passion. He will call her daughter. And the moment Jesus said, daughter. She understood culture. And she realized Oh, my goodness. I have just been treated with sensitivity, care, and passion. 
she's in the dirt. She's, she's on the floor. She's in the dirt of the road. And suddenly, the fear and the tremble disappear. And she realized, I came like a statistic. When I came, I was a nobody. But I'm going to leave like a daughter. I came like a thief. But I'm going to leave like a princess. The word daughter was like music in her ears. And she realized, I don't need to be afraid of the law. I don't need to duck and dive the disciples. Because the king of kings brought the whole procession to a standstill because I just took it. And then Jesus said, go in peace. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I could not allow you to go home the way you came because what is the purpose if I send you back home healed in your physical body, but you are tormented for another 12 years because you will feel like you broke the law. And Jesus said, no, I don't want to send you home healed in your body. I want to send you home complete. Church, God says, I want to send you home tonight complete. I remember in 1982 when I was young in ministry and there was a great prophet in South Africa and he called me out and he says, what is in thine hand and what is in thine heart? He called me out, he prophesied to me, looks like an Old Testament prophet. He says, the Lord says, son, I will raise you up. And the Lord says, you must learn how to speak English because I'm going to send you to the English-speaking nations. And son, you will preach to the north and the south and the east and the west of America. And son, household names in America will become your friends. And I will send you to America in the end time harvest. And I will use you and I will send you to other nations. And I'll say, oh my God. How does he know me? How does he know my dream? Nobody knows about this. And here I am. I'm standing in front of you. I got the tape those days. The tape. You know, those days we had tapes. Not an app. We had no cell phones those days. But we had tapes. I got the tape. With that prophetic word. And I listened to it. Thus says the Lord. I will send you and, 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 and America and, and everything that God has said. And I said, my God, I cannot even string five sentences in English together without making huge grammar mistakes. Could not do it. <laughs> Here I am. I'm living 20 years in this nation. God has given me 150 nations. God is expanding. I don't know what I need to do. I need $250,000 to bring the whole world together for the biggest prayer conference that will shake the nations. But all I want to say to you is when God speaks to you, He will deliver you. She went home. She went home that day, and I think they gave her a tape. 
Oh, sister, here is your tape with your prophecy. Uh, we've, we taped it for you. You can listen to it. You know what the churches do these days? They put your prophecy on a tape. Oh, I think she went home, home and she put on her earphones. I think she had an Apple phone. She listened to it. Daughter, rewind the tape. Daughter, I think she said to herself, I've never heard that word in my whole life. All I know is that according to the word, I'm a statistic. But when he's done with you, he will send you home son and daughter. She rewind the tape. I remember my tape that I had of Roger Teal. One day it broke. My tape was broken. But by the time the tape was broken, I already saw the fulfillment of that word coming to pass. And I already had the whole word in my spirit. I can prophesy to myself. And four years ago, guess what? My daughter called me four years ago. This, this, this was prophesied to me in 1982. This man prophesied to Reinhard Bonnke, Oral Roberts, and many other great men of God, Fred Roberts in South Africa that served on the board of Benny Hinn those days. This man prophesied to those kind of people. And four years ago, I got a call from my daughter because I spoke about this man so many times. I don't know where he is in this world. And she said, Dad, you will not believe who's coming to the upper room conference i said who she said roger deal i said roger deal oh my lord he's coming to our conference i saw that man i wasn't him Went into a lounge meeting one day, and uh, many pastors sitting there in a lounge one morning, in a, not in a lounge, in a home, in a home a dining room, and they were discussing this man and all the prophecies and the meetings that we had. And, uh, and uh, the next moment, this man walked in, he had another appointment, and he walks into the room, and all the pastors just go quiet, and he says, Is there anybody here that knows Walter Snyman? I said, Yes, sir, I know him. He was my pastor. I was his youth pastor because before I became the national youth director. And he looked at me and said, don't you tell me anything about that man of God. I have a charge from heaven for him. I said, I will not tell you anything, sir. You know what he said to my pastor? He said, you are not the best preacher in the city. You cannot preach. But God says, I can trust you. You will build one of the biggest churches. The church that I was the youth pastor in went from 500 to 6,000. This woman went home. Daughter, 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 daughter. And every time she hear the word daughter, I think she was dancing. I think she was I don't know what kind of dance she did. I think by the time she came home, she says, I am a new person because I went like a thief and I came home like a princess. What am I saying to you? Grab it. Take it. Steal it. It's yours. Thank you for your excitement. With that attitude, you will get nothing. You need to have my attitude. I'm not going to wait for nobody. 
Sometimes I feel in my spirit, God, I can grab it. I was praying two years ago. I was praying in my study, and I prayed over the nations. And I prayed about the nations, and, and I stopped myself, and I said, Lord, I cannot pray like that. I said, Lord, I prayed too big. It's too big. And the Lord said to me, why can you not pray like that? I said, Lord, nobody will understand this. And the Lord said, you are not praying according to man. The Lord says, when you give me your lips and your mouth, you will pray like me. I will pray through you. I said, okay, Jesus, give me the globe. Why not? Grab it. Grab it. Grab the nations. I'm not angry. I'm just pumped up. Because if you sit there and you're not going to grab it, I'm going to grab it. And I will leave nothing for you. I'll take it all. It's 8.30. We still have lots of time. My plane only leaves at 12 tomorrow. <laughs> so now they came to Jesus and they said, Oh, Jesus, you will not believe me. The little girl died. <laughs> Sometimes we need to grab it here in West Virginia and let Washington, D.C. wait. Come on. Grab it here. So that something dies somewhere else, then God can go there and do another miracle. But here is something interesting. The woman who had the issue of blood had it for 12 years. She was a woman. The Bible says the little girl was 12 years old. And I see a prophetic picture here. I see Jesus here in the middle of the two 12s. Two women, two females that speaks of the church. The one is an older woman. She was dying. The other one is a little girl. Two generations, two twelves. Twelve speaks of government. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is here to establish his government, his rulership. His kingdom. And when I saw the two twelves, the Lord said to me, I will heal the one generation and I will resurrect the other generation. And the Lord said to me, I will control the earth with my government. I am the Lord. I will control America. I will restore my kingdom in this nation. And I will grab the two and I will rule and reign. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, you heard what I said tonight. Do something.
Oh, Lord, we will have to grab it. Church, I want to say to all of you, don't wait for nobody any longer. This man in this pulpit, I'm waiting for nobody. The moment this virus is gone, in fact, I need to write a letter this week. I just don't have time, but I need to write a letter to many, many leaders and tell them I've postponed the upper room again because of COVID, but my heart aches. And I want to say it blunt and bold. Sorry for doing this. If there's somebody that has $200,000 and you don't know what to do it, we need it for the globe. To bring together the Apostle Pauls of every nation. There's a na in Nigeria, there's a church that has a million people praying. And somewhere, I'm not going to beg for the money. Somewhere God will have to raise up somebody to help us. I'm not going to. I've had enough pressure on me financially bringing the globe together. I cannot do it for a global. This is huge. The church of God will work together. The assemblies of God will work together. We already have access to television that will do it for us and come and broadcast it. How many of you believe we can grab healing? We can grab the nations. We can grab it. But it will, it will, we will need desperate pulpits that will grab the nations. How many of you say tonight, Lord, I will wait no longer for anything I need. I will take it. And you will confirm it that I got it, and you will send me in peace. Jesus said, go in peace. God wants all of you to operate in peace. Father, I thank you tonight that we can operate in peace. I think when she went home, for the first time in 12 years, not only could she feel in her body she's been healed, but for the first time in 12 years, she had peace. Unless your mind is at peace, you don't have peace. It is your mind that sometimes keeps you awake at night. Father, I pray tonight that when people leave this building, they will go in peace. It doesn't say Jesus laid hands on her. And I know, you, I know what you think. Oh, he's just making excuses now for, so that he doesn't need to lay hands on us tonight. That's why he say Jesus did not lay hands on her. Jesus did not lay hands on her. The power is in the word. Yes, we do lay hands on people. But don't make that another gospel. Jesus said, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. You see, faith, your faith, you all have faith. There's not a single man or woman that does not have a measure of faith. God gave the human race a measure of faith. You all have faith. Jesus said, go in peace. 
your faith has made you well. Huh. I can just imagine how she went home. Come on, church. Father, I thank you. You will establish your kingdom in Charleston, West Virginia. I thank you, Lord Jesus. He healed the older generation. When he got into the house, he took Peter, James, and John with him. The rest of the disciples, he said, you stay home. Sometimes they sit in people that you just need to send home. They are believers. It's better for you to go home. Because when I go into the house of death, I don't need a lot of naysayers. Because when he got to the house, there was a lot of people who ridiculed him because they, they want to they celebrate death. What do you call it? The, uh, there's a certain word for it. The mourners. Those days you had professional mourners. Can you believe it? Professional mourners. They have bottles of water so that they can weep and bags of handkerchiefs so that they can weep and celebrate death and make it look like a successful funeral. Jesus said, get out of my way. Don't mourn something that needs to be celebrated. And I want to say to the next generation, you will not die on the vine. You will not die in our schools. You will not die in our high schools. You will not die in the universities. There is a res restoration of the two twelves coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> and oh, it's going to happen sooner than later. Can you sh just show some kind of worship unto him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I am a son and a daughter. Everybody say, he treats me with sensitivity, care, and passion. Isn't it, isn't it good to know that we serve a God that treats us with sensitivity, care, and passion. He's a good father. He's a good Lord. <laughs> I think Jesus turned around and looked at the 12 disciples and said, Okay, you throngers. I think some of them already had a hat on that says, Make Jesus great again. <laughs> you know where I got that one from, eh? I think some of them already got Jesus' latest book that says, Make Jerusalem great again. <laughs> uh, that's all the throngers, you know? They buy the book, they've got the hat, they've got the sweat towel, they've got the jump, they've got the earphones, they've got everything, but they are sick. Stop thronging. Come and grab it, and you will know that you know that something happened. If you say tonight, Lord, Change me from a thronging Christian to a grab Christian to a, 
grab my own healing to touch to a touching come on lord change me from a thronger to a toucher lord everything i do everything i do i want to be like that that's when i go to churches i'm a little bit challenging because i'm a grabber i grab what is mine hallelujah i grab when it's in the house <laughs> He's here. His word says, where two or three gather in his name, there he is. He's here. He said, oh, Brother Andre, you preach like you have 50,000 people in front of you. I told you. I've got some angels here. You don't even know it. There could be an angel standing over this house tonight because the ministry of angels is real. He said, oh, you are old school. No, I am not. I'm cutting edge. Go read the Bible. He's here. The blue tassels just passed by you. You did not even notice it. The blue tassels can walk right by you there. Why don't you just grab it? Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we will no longer throng, but we will touch, and we will not leave and operate like thieves. We will leave like princesses and princes because we have been set free, spirit, soul, and body, and we will sleep well because we have peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Do something. You are so quiet, you make me nervous. Come on. Don't act like Presbyterians. Come on. Show me your Pentecostal colors. Can I get some music? Thank you. Are you excited, church? Does this help you? Does this send you home renewed and refreshed? Change your body language. Change your styles. Change the way you talk. Don't operate like a thief. Stand up straight. You're a child of the king. You are healed. The system could not heal you, but Jesus healed you. That's why even last year I received so many stuff from Christians. It is the one conspiracy on top of the other. I said, Lord, the people are losing it. They've got a problem in their mind. Huh. And then I said, Lord, I have peace. I was 20 weeks at home. I couldn't preach for 20 weeks. You say, oh, Brother Andre, what happened with your offerings? I had nothing for 20 weeks. I lost about 66 offerings. You say, oh, but Brother Andre, you were probably a pa in panic. No, I had peace. And then I get a call on this phone. Hey, Brother Andre, where are you?
No, I'm at home. How long are you at home? I said, well, I'm at home, I'm at home since the second week in March. Oh, so you haven't preached, Brother Andre? No. This is not a partner of our ministry. So don't think that. Well, Brother Andre, I'm going to send you a check for $5,000. <laughs> Thank you, brother. That's awesome. Got another call. Are you preaching? No, I'm not preaching. What are you doing? I said, I'm working in the yard. Well, I'm sending you a check, Brother Andre. A month later, the first guy called again. Are you still at home? I said, yes, I'm still at home. When will you start to preach again? I said, I think August, because I just got another cancellation. He said, Brother Andre, I'll send you another check for 5000 I said, thank you, Jesus. God took care of me. I was better taken care of financially not preaching than what I'm preaching. Man, I love COVID. I've learned that, I, that when I'm a son and a daughter and, and I don't have the system that and the system, the church that can take care of me. I've got Jesus who can take care of me. Hallelujah. I had peace. So now you've heard my perspective on the virus. I love it. And another miracle happened, bigger. I will not tell you, it's none of your business. I'm a prince. I'm not gonna home, go home like a thief. Because my Lord establishes his kingdom on this earth. And so does he for you. And I'm going to send all of you home tonight victorious. Come on, church. I've given you three sermons that should have drastically changed your life. Amen. Amen. Oh, amen. Amen. Can somebody not say, wow. Yes, Lord. Awesome. Great. Incredible. Phenomenal. Jesus. I hope you have a song that is above average.